Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, February 9th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live. On the MMA Fighting Twitter space, you hear the show its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. We are on the eve of the eve of UFC 284, which goes down in Perth, Western Australia. We all know what the main event is. It is Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the lightweight title. Makachev looking for his first title defense. Volkanovski looking to becoming a two-division champion. A lot of stakes here. A lot can happen, especially if Volkanovski wins. If Volkanovski wins this fight, boy, are we going to have a lot of discussions and debates about his greatness and where he stands, not just right now, but in the, the history of the sport. It's a lot riding on this one, and it's a fantastic fight, and I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Interim featherweight title on the line as well. Josh Emmett versus Yaya Rodriguez. Jack Della Maddalena versus Brandy Brown. Of course, the people's main event. Can't forget about the people's main event. Justin Taffa versus Paca Porta. And the list goes on and on. A lot to talk about. There's a lot going on in the news cycle. So let's just get right into it. Let's get right to you guys. Uh, it's going to be a very busy next few days. We got BTL coming up at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Jed Mishu will return, and he will take on one of my favorite people in this wonderful space of ours, one of my best friends in the biz, a fellow Canadian, AK, Mr. James Lynch, will make his return to the BTL virtual arena to talk a, a bunch of UFC 284, McGregor Chandler, We'll recap Bellator 290 and the weekend that was. A lot going on. So let's get after this thing. Anthony, I believe, was first in line. So we'll start with him. What's up, buddy? Heck of a morning. Yo, I just want to talk real quick about uh, the pay-per-view buys. And uh, I remember when I went to England to watch a UFC event, I was talking to the guy next to me, and he was saying that they get, like, all the pay-per-views on, like, BT Sport box office for, like, 25 bucks a month. So how does that affect the pay-per-view buys? But then he also told me, like, they have to pay for the Conor McGregor ones. So does that kind of skew the numbers? Also, uh, Max Holloway and uh, Arnold Allen at Kansas City, when they pick these cities, do they have to, like, is there, like, a little bid that goes on 
Uh, Cause I know they did that for like the world cup games. And like, I might've heard that for like uh, some UFC events. Cause if that's the case, then, you know, Chicago's fucked, man. Lori Lightfoot's never doing that. Yeah. Just those two things today, man. Have a good one. Uh, thanks, man. So pay-per-view stuff, especially overseas, I, I don't really know much about. Um, I, I mean, I, I think most of the pay-per-view buy, like when, when you report pay-per-view buys, they're mostly in the United States. Uh, sometimes there's global ones. Uh, but depending on where you are in the world, yeah, there could be deals like the BT Sport one. Uh, there's deals like that in other places as well. But I think most of the actual pay-per-view buys are for the U.S. And I think being on ESPN Plus with the deal that they have, that's what they probably care the most about, if we're being honest. But they really don't even care, especially with that ESPN Plus deal, because whether one person buys it or 20 million buy it, it's all the same to the UFC. What they care about more than anything with this new deal is the gate and how many tickets they can sell and can they sell out the arena. And obviously – 283 was not great. You could clearly see that wasn't a sellout. Uh, this one is, I believe Dana, when he says this one's trending to be one of the biggest gates ever, I think it's like a perfect card for the Australian audience. Getting Volkanovsky the opportunity, him being in the main event against Makachev, very big deal. Um, I think that's going to do very, very, very well. I don't know if I buy the, this is, this pay-per-view is trending towards McGregor Poirier. I don't buy that. I mean, we don't know what the numbers were for that, but you have to assume with McGregor involved, it was over a million. I'll be stunned if this one does close to a million because again, you got us. This one just doesn't translate really to the casual audience. And Jed Mishu talks about it all the time. The mom test. Are your friends talking about it? Are you, am I getting, am I getting texts about this fight from friends who casually watch MMA? No, I haven't gotten one. Did I get a bunch of texts when there were, when people were saying, maybe we'll get McGregor and Tony Ferguson on the ultimate fighter. Yeah, I got a bunch. Did I get a bunch of texts on Saturday when they announced Connor and Chandler on tough and then fighting each other? Yeah, my phone was blowing up all day. But I haven't got one text about this fight from any like family members, friends. So this, I just don't know if it does those kind of numbers. But again, and also because, you know, Volk and Islam are great. Like they're great. And they're both very confident. But they're not... Like, they're not going to show up at a press conference tonight and start chucking water bottles at each other. It's just not going to happen. There's not going to be a, a pull apart. They ain't going to be pushing and shoving. None of that. And there's really not, like, a ton of other appeal to this card to the casual audience. Like, Luke Rockhold sold the crap out of his Paul Acosta fight, and that translated. Tony Ferguson, for the Chandler fight, stole the show during fight week and obviously boosted things up in that regard. So... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work, really. And then the Kansas City thing, I know they're, they do have deals with certain places where they bring stuff in. I know they had deals with, like, Jacksonville, but that was more of a, hey, you helped us out when no one else would, so we're going to chuck you some cards. I know they have a deal with Houston. Uh, that's been pretty well documented. I think when – and I have to go back and, and look, but I'm pretty sure that 
before the of course the landscapers are here now they usually come on fridays um i'm pretty sure that before the pandemic shut everything down kansas city was kind of on the docket to have a card much like san diego was and i think this is just like uh okay let's make this up to you we we're supposed to give you a card now you can have this one but yeah that's kind of what i think but i don't think kansas city was like Dear UFC, we'll give you all this money to bring a fight night card featuring two fighters that are that have no ties to Kansas City whatsoever. So I just think it was kind of a we owe you one. I just knew this it wasn't going to be at the Apex. Apologies for the uh, landscaping sounds. They've come a day early. Uh, Cole, we will go to you, my friend. Perhaps. All right, I'm going to move to a different spot because this is friggin' ridiculous. Uh, we'll go to Mikey. Hello? Oh, hold on, hold on, Mikey. Hold on. I'm going to take re-request. Re, re, re I'll get you in. Cole, what's up, man? Hi, I just have a quick short one for you, Mike. Uh, if Volk wins, you think it's the biggest win in UFC history? I'm going to hang up and listen. Thanks. <sighs> Biggest win in UFC history? Um, I'll have to think about that one. It's in the, it's in the conversation. That's for sure. It's, I would say it's, a top, it's top three. It's top three. I don't know if anything's going to beat McGregor beating Eddie Alvarez. I mean, that was... I mean, everything that led up to that point, the year he had, losing to Nate, beating Nate, and then going back and winning the second title and having the performance like that, that was just ridiculous. The whole fight week, everything about 2016 was just very strange and very memorable, especially for Conor McGregor. So that one just really sticks out to me as like one that – people are going to remember forever, just everything that led up to it. So I'll go with that, but this is up there. This is definitely up there. It's a great question, though. We're going to have a lot of different conversations if Folk wins this fight. Mikey, what's up? Or sometimes we have our weeks and then shit, and the fight week comes up and it just, you know, takes us away from everything, which is always welcome. Anyways, so a note about the Kansas City card. I, 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 I'm I, uncertain the UFC didn't realize this, or maybe they did. Who knows? But I looked it up. It is going to be the exact date and anniversary of the last time they were in Kansas City. On April 15, 2017, that was the Mighty Mouse Johnson-Wilson-Hayes card where he broke the title defense record. It will literally be six years to the date. I don't know if that's the point. I'm, I'm sure it's more coincidence than anything, but I thought that was a neat little uh, nugget. Um, and so about 2 sc 84 I'm going to try to keep this rant a little short and sweet, but you know how it goes with me. But um, So I'm getting a little bit irritated about all the complaints about the UFC 284 promotion because I feel a lot of it is very, very disingenuous. Factual, but, you know, sl- Uh oh! You're breaking up like crazy, Mikey. Yeah, yeah you're breaking Mike up like crazy. Oh, I got you. Fine. There you go. You got I me. Hear, I can hear you now. Yep. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Did you hear my part about Kansas City card? Yeah, I heard that. How it's, I heard uh, that. April... Uh, you were talking okay. about the promotion for this okay. card. It was disingenuous, and then you started okay. bringing it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so anyway, so first of all, two things can be true. Yes, the UFC could do a lot more to promote, but I also want people to be honest about what it is that they are looking for. What Were you looking for Volkanovsky to show up on random American talk shows? Like, what is it? Like, and I get it. I get that's what you want. But also we have to be honest about what it is that you want that to happen for. Do you think that's going to influence pay-per-view buys any more than it would before? Because at the end of the day, casuals are going to tune in if they want to or not. You could promote something to high hell and they still won't watch it. Again, doesn't mean the UFC shouldn't try. I get that. But again, there's a, a lot of people are conflating some things. They're like, oh, well, if they did this, it would increase the pay-per-view buys. We don't really know that. But you know what I'm saying? Just saying. Because and, and then when you think when you factor in things like it's out of the country. It's it's in Australia, you know, and it's during Super Bowl. I was actually I just don't remember to tweet about this later. I was just like, this is the first UFC pay-per-view card that's been on the Saturday before the Super Bowl, and it's actually overseas. So I was actually I actually found that kind of funny. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird because they haven't done a Super Bowl weekend card in years. So, you know what I mean? But yeah, I'll, you know, I'll probably get, I'll touch on it more maybe tomorrow if you do another space or in the coming days. Just want to keep that streak. But be kind to everyone. Thank you later. Thanks, man. And, and I've been saying this, I've been preaching this for a week now for a couple of different reasons. One, just like you said, this is not a, this is not a fight card especially top to bottom that is going to make the casual audience say, Oh, I get to drop $80 on it after taxes. They're just not going to do it. There's just no casual appeal to it. And you could bring you could put Volkanovsky on good morning America or any other show. And I don't think it does anything like it really, I don't think it does. So their promotional push is over in Australia, mostly in Perth because to them, they don't need like they don't need to sell pay-per-views. They don't need to. It doesn't change a thing for them. Pay-per-view buys are just like a cherry on top of the Sunday. It's a bragging point. Doesn't do much for them. Does something for the fighters, sure, because they get a, a piece of the pie, but they get they get they're gonna get paid a bunch of money from ESPN for this fight card. Whether no like if nobody buys it, they're still gonna get the same amount of money because it's being distributed on ESPN plus and people are going to drop money on it. What they need to do and what they're focused on. And I don't blame them for this is they know we are all in. They're doing enough to say this fight's awesome, but they they're trying to sell tickets because that's where they make their bank more than anything is the ticket sales. And if they draw like a, you know, four or $5 million gate, that's great for them. And that's why they're focused on that. There's just no real casual appeal to this fight. And again, I don't know why this has been pointed out for this card in particular, because it has been this way for years. It has been this way for years. Where, I mean, I understand there was no power slap. And the way they're promoting power slap reaffirms kind of assures me, and I again, I don't know this for a fact, that this is a very similar deal to the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, where they're paying for a time slot. Again, I don't know this for a fact, but this is what I think. They're paying for this time slot, hoping that it's a success, so that next year 
TBS will just be like, all right, we want the show. Here's a bunch of money. That's why they're promoting it so much. And that's why it feels like the cards are being underpromoted because it's a different thing altogether. They're trying to get this thing off the ground. And if it is a cash buy, which I think it is, it's, it's all reading that way. But I, again, I don't know for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm not really surprised by it. But again, this has been like this forever. Go back to 2016. We just mentioned 2016. Go back to UFC 202. Go back to the week before that fight card happened. We're having the same conversation. What's going on with 202? It feels like it's flying under the radar. You get two of the biggest stars in the sport, and it doesn't seem like anybody's talking about it. And then you get to fight week, and by the time we got to the weigh-ins and we got to that to 202, we were all jacked to the gills for it. This is how they do it, and they've been doing it for a long time. So don't, it, it's not a big surprise. I think you'll see more pretty soon. As soon as this card ends, it's going to be all on John Jones, Cyril Gone. because they need to sell that place out. And John at least has some casual appeal. A lot of sports fans know who John Jones is. Cyril Gone, not so much. And then London's going to be kind of similar to this one. It's going to be mostly for the UK crowd. And then Miami, they'll... Miami, I mean, they, they got casual appeal of the Miami card because they got Mazadal and they got Adesanya and Pereira's becoming a star. So it's, it's just different. Different cards are treated differently. But all of us in here, we're all going to watch. They don't need to promote anything to us because we're going to watch already. And they, I think they know that. I think they already know that. Let's go to Jordan. What's up, Jordan? Mike, heck of a morning. You too. I just wanted to see and get your get your thoughts on. I think a lot of the like promotion around this card was really going to be set up around that Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, Paulo and Robert at the press conferences, getting after it, setting it up type of deal. And I I just wanted to get your thoughts on if that kind of changed the way the UFC had to promote this card. Um, maybe. I don't know. That's tough because, I mean, Whitaker, Whitaker's just a, Whitaker's a fun-loving guy. Costa's just, a, Costa's just Costa. So I think, like, his media day scrum and, you know, stuff he says at the press conference would all be clipped off and it would be funny and hilarious. But Whitaker's not going to really play that game. Like, he'll, he'll play along and, like, giggle and have fun. But it's like I sit there and engage in a big trash-talking battle with Paul Costa. You know, maybe – Maybe he'll ask for a for a shot of the secret juice and they'll have a toast or something and that'd be a cool little moment. So yeah, I would think like it would all depend on what Costa says at Media Day and how he handles himself throughout the fight week. Could help, but there aren't as far as a fight goes, there it was a weird one. It was just a weird fight. Like Paulo's just over with people, but there weren't a lot of people on this earth, realistically, who were giving Costa much of a chance in that fight after watching the Luke Rockhold fight. And I'm probably one of those people. So I don't know how much promotion and backing they would put behind that fight. But yeah, I don't think it would. It it certainly wouldn't hurt the way this card looks right now because you got 
the main event, which is awesome. Interim title fight. Good fight. Not awesome. JDM, Randy Brown. That's an awesome fight. And then the rest is just like, it's just there. Like, I'm Paco Porta versus Justin Toff is just going to be the people's main event. But the rest of the card just, it's okay. It's just, it's an okay card. This is a, this is a three fight card. No disrespect to the other fighters competing, but this is a three fight card and this is a, let's get the locals out there to try and attempt to make their fans happy. Uh, let's go to James. Tristan's on deck. Hey, good morning to you, Mike. Um, good morning. I have to say I am very excited. I am. I live near the Kansas City area, so when that news dropped last night, I was texting all my buddies, seeing if they want to go watch Max Holloway just do work on Alan, uh, Arnold Allen. But uh, the fight coming up this Saturday, do you only see one path of victory for um, Alexander? Is it just a stand-up game, or do you think he has to go to war in order to go to the decision to win on the cards? Um, but like always, man, thank you for what you do for us in this space. Can't wait for BTL to watch the GOAT Jed Mishu do his thing, and have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. It's such a tricky fight because you would think that's the case. Like, it's simple where... And there's probably some truth to that too, right? That if Volk can keep this standing, he's going to win. And if Islam gets a bunch of takedowns, he's going to win. And there's truth to that for sure. But something I've been thinking about, and then I was listening to No Bets Bard earlier this morning, what if Volk starts shooting takedowns? What if Volk is the, the offensive wrestler in this one? What if he starts shooting and he puts Islam on his back a couple of times? Gives him some more things to think about. I don't know if I would advise that per se, but even if Volk just lands a couple of takedowns and then just gets right back up and it's just like, hey, I took you down, bro. Like that'd be a really interesting and kind of a gangster move on his part. So I'm, I'm just, he's, it's so hard to predict a Volk fight because he's just so good as the fight goes on. He makes adjustments inside of a fight better than anybody in the sport. So the way he's approaching round one might be completely different than the way he approaches round two and three and four and beyond and on we go. So I would think like the, the simple narrative plays true in a lot of ways, but Volk is a tricky dude. His fight IQ is through the roof. There's probably multiple ways he can win this fight that we don't even know about. My pick is probably still going to be Islam Makachev, but I have to say, the closer we get to Saturday, I'm leaning a little bit. I'm still on Makachev. But we'll see. We'll see when I when we get Saturday. Oops, Four Corner Sports, you're up. Tristan, you're next. Four Corner Sports, hello. Okay. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. 
and Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, Tristan, do we have you? Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Yep. Uh, Mike, I want to talk about, um, I'll be quick with this couple of points here. Um, I I saw the interview with um, Calvin Cater. He spoke to Farah Hanoon from MMA Junkie. Um, It looks like he was promoting um, his regional promotion that's coming up here. It's going to be part of Dana White's looking for a fight. Um, do you know exactly um, the fighters that Dana's going to be looking at on the regional scene? Uh, you probably might have a little bit of insight. And uh, who knows, you probably have an interview queued up for with Calvin Cater coming up here. I'm not really sure. So just your thoughts on that. My second thing is Hamza Shemaya called out Robert Whitaker. Whitaker looks like he'll accept that fight. I don't know if there's any smoke to that fire. But if that fight does happen... I I'm, I really can't see Hamza coming back down because if he beats Whitaker, he's going to get a title shot for the middleweight championship. So your thoughts about that. Another thing, too, my third point, the uh, Dan Hooker's out against Jalen Turner. Who would you like to see to take that short-notice fight? There's Moicano, possibly, uh, maybe Drew Dober. I don't know about that. Or maybe Armin Sarukian. So just your thoughts on those three points that I made. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so yes, we reported Dan Hooker out with a broken hand. He confirmed that information on social media with the giant cast on his hand. I don't even know if I've ever seen a cast that big in my life. Um, but a lot of people are saying like he, he's taking a way out. Like, are you shitting me right now? Stop with that. It drives me insane. Uh, Dan Hooker is not afraid to fight Jalen Turner. I can tell you that right now, even if the matchup isn't fantastic for him, he's not looking for a way out. I can assure you. As far as a replacement, I know there's conversations going on. Nothing I could really report right now, but um, there are discussions in place. I don't know who it's going to be. No idea at this point. But, 
I mean, according to the people, if you look at like what they want to see, it looks like Sarukian's a good one. Uh, Gamrot's a good one. Uh, a lot of love towards Drew Dober. Uh, I saw a bunch of love towards Hanato Moicano, perhaps. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of names in the mix right now, but this is also 155, and all those guys are in play for some pretty good opportunities. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're going to do with that situation. Uh, Whitaker Shemayev rules. That is absolutely the fight we should make if, if Shemayev isn't going to fight Covington at 170. That's plan B, 100%. Didn't seem like they were both really all that interested in fighting each other. They wanted to team up and like fight crime together. That was kind of the initial thing, but it seems like both are intrigued by the idea. So, yeah, do it. That's huge. As far as the combat zone card, I don't even know who's on it. I have no clue. I was looking at topology. There's no fights listed. Uh, I'm looking at their Instagram page. There's no fights listed. Other, The only thing that they've listed is the fact that they're going to be there. So uh, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be on the card. I'll know more once I see them. But not really sure. Not really sure. Let's see if we can get Four Corner Sports back in here, and then we'll keep on moving. Four Corner Sports, what up? Hey, what's going on, Mike? I wanted what's to up? talk about uh, uh, what is it, like two or three things. One, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the RDA call-out. RDA was uh, trying – saw Bilal was uh, asking for, you know, the, the usual Gilbert, Kobe, Mazdo, you know. And RDA comes in, and RDA says, I see you're looking for a fight. Um, what about April? And Bilal backs away and says something along the notion of, you know, that he's been – he's trying to get a title shot. And it's just like, man, like, Bilal, just take take the fight. You, you're asking for a fight. You, you're creating all these memes and stuff like that. Like, it, I, don't, I don't – I wouldn't say he's scared of RDA or, any, or anything like that, but RDA, I mean, that man is a true gangster. That man will, will fight anybody. I mean, he's the type of person I feel like that – if you see him at a pub, he's, he will fight three people at the same time. And I respect the hell out of that. I mean, what's it called? I think, I, me personally, I think Bilal should take the fight in April. I mean, he's asking for a fight. Just take the damn fight against RDA and see where it goes from there. As for um, what's it called, uh, Islam and Volk, I don't know. What's your thoughts on on uh, Islam saying that he's weighing 167? Uh, I mean, he's got, what, 48 hours to really cut down weight? I mean, usually, in my per- from what I've seen, uh, if you're cutting down that much weight in, in su- such a short period of time, maybe it might affect the fighter. But if Volkanovski does be able to survive into the third round, then we could probably possibly see, you know, what is Islam made out of? I mean, cause we've never really seen him, you know, past the what is it after like 15 minutes. So pretty interesting after that. And lastly, I do want to see what what's your thoughts if you haven't seen the Pat McAfee interview with uh, Dino White. Thanks, man. Uh, I did not see the Pat McAfee interview with Dana White. Um, um, let me let me see here. The weigh-in thing, like I'm trying, I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe my best friend can give me a thumbs up on this because she knows better than I. I think, and I don't know for sure that the. Ceremonial weigh-ins are the official weigh-ins. 
So it's like we're going old school here. AK, if I'm right, give me a thumbs up. So it's not like, and it's at 11 a.m. their time. So it's like 6 p.m. Eastern time. So it's not like the typical morning weigh-ins. I mean, it is there, but it's different timing. Like if we're looking at it from the East Coast portion of things, and then obviously the fights are, it's not that AK? Really? I thought it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to look in. I'll, I'll go look at it real quick. Looking at the release here. Let's see where we're at. Friday press conference. Official. Oh, I was wrong. I was wrong. See, this is why we look. Thank you, AK. Yeah, so they will have official weigh-ins. And then the ceremonial weigh-ins are not long after that. Official weigh-ins from an Australian time, 6.30 to 9. And ceremonial weigh-ins, 10.30 to 11.30. So not too, not too long after. And then they fight. I don't know. We'll see if the hydration for Islam, like that would be more my concern than him making the weight. He'll make the weight. Uh, will he have enough time to like hydrate like you typically would in a Vegas fight week? That's the other question. So, yeah, I'm sure Makachev has to cut a bunch of weight anyways. I'm sure he'll make it. I don't have any – any. Uh, I don't have a ton of concern there. That's for sure. I forget your other question. I apologize. Uh, Toke, what's up? UFC uh, marketing. They got one thing right. They actually got some footage of the spider drill, which I have been mystified by for ages when uh, Israel and uh, Volkanovsky have talked about it. They actually released some of that footage, which looks insane as a mar martial arts... Uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, I, I do martial arts myself, and I couldn't even imagine doing that sort of a drill. That looks insa insane. But... That's not the main thing. The main thing is I want you to explain Subaira Tukugov to me. Because to me, this is a guy that's been in the UFC since 2014. Most notably known to, you know, jump the cage in the, in the Khabib uh, Connor fight and then uh, hit Connor in the face. And that's actually when he's looked the best fighting. He has. Honestly, he hasn't put one full fight together other than knocking out Kevin Aguilar. So he keeps being an insane favorite odds-wise. I'm a better myself. And I'm ju I just wonder, how can he keep being this big of a favorite when he has two split-decision losses, a draw, split-decision wins on his record as well? How is this even a safe bet? I don't get it. He he's never put a full fight together. I haven't seen 15 good minutes from him at any point. So please, if you can, explain to me why people have this blind trust in him, like the betting community does, because I'm part of that community as well, and I just don't see it. I don't see it. So if you could explain to me, that would be great. 
Thanks, Mike, and have a heck of a Thursday. Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. Um, I mean, to be fair, the split de- split decision losses were to Hinata Moicano, Hakeem Dawadu, which in 2020 felt a little different than it would probably feel now. And then the split draw was to Lerone Murphy, who is an absolute monster. So maybe we give him a little bit of a pass here, but yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. We'll see how he does. I would say he's kind of on his last chance at this point because he's coming off the win over Ricardo Ramos. That was in 20, late 2021, October 2021. Was supposed to fight Nate Landwehr. Didn't happen. Supposed to fight Lucas Almeida. Weight cut issues. And then he's supposed to fight Joel Alvarez on this card. And Alvarez withdrew. And now he's fighting Elvis Brenner. So I think he's kind of on his last chance here. He needs to go in there and not only win, but he needs to look impressive and needs to make weight. So I think they're kind of on. I think he's kind of on his last leg. But I get it, man. And you aren't the only one that asks those kinds of questions. But. We'll see. This is his. Uh, this is his opportunity to set the table for his teammates and see if he can get back on track. Lone Wolf, what's up? Lone Wolf, you're muted. All right, try again. Try again, because I couldn't get you in. Always curious uh, what the world is like for Viking MMA. What's up, Viking? Good. How are you? Mm, I just want to tell. I just want to talk about Hamza and Islam. That people, if people are dreaming about that fight, that's not going to happen. And the main reason of that fight is Muslim brothers, we are not fight for, we don't fight for, you know, a strap. Islam is all about brotherhood and that fight is not going to happen. I think in the UFC, that fight is not going to happen. And the other thing I just want to talk about is Islam because, you know, I used to hate that guy, but if he wins against Volkanovski, then there is no argument that he's going to face a lot of elite guys in the welterweight and lightweight. So if he wins, then there is no denial that he's the best fighter or maybe the second best fighter after Hamza Chimaev. And uh, one more thing about the BTL. Is Jed is going to be there in the BTL, on the BTL? <laughs> you good? I'm too curious about that. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Uh, yes, Jed will be there. He'll be taking on uh, Mr. James Lynch, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, I like James a lot. He's one of my favorite people in the industry. So it'll be good to have him back. Uh, so that is happening. Uh, yeah, look, Islam becomes the number one fighter pound for pound if he beats Volkanovski. No doubt about that. I understand why people are kind of trepidatious about the timing of this fight since 
neither guy has cleaned out their division in any way, shape, or form. So I get, I get some pause and hesitation for this. Like maybe it's too soon, but here we are, and I ain't gonna complain about it. But I get why some people think that way because Volk's still got plenty of guys to fight. Uh, the problem for Volk is just no one has like he's got guys, and so I, I saw some people say like. I don't know why Mike always says that Volk has nobody to fight. It's not that he has nobody to fight. It's that no one has emerged as like the dude and no one has for a while. Like pretty much you just need one win to get a title shot right now. Like Korean zombie got a title shot. I know it's a different circumstance because Max Holloway was injured and Volk wanted to fight in April. But like since then, like Emmett was coming off of a very controversial win over Calvin Cater Yair Rodriguez was coming off of, a, of an injury TKO. I would say he caused some of that, but but no one had, like outside of Max Holloway over the last couple of years, like no one has been the dude. No one has been the dude. And at least we have an interim title fight, which is basically a number one contender fight. At least we have this. So Volk like doesn't beat Makachev, like at least we know who he's fighting next. He's fighting either Josh Emmett or Yair Rodriguez who becomes the number one contender. We haven't had a clear-cut number one contender at 145 since Volk won the belts outside of Max Holloway. That's why, like, when they announced the Allen fight, I was like, love the fight. It's great. But if Max wins, then you're just, you're killing off another contender. And it's just, and this is what, what has continued to happen. Uh, the fight's great, uh, but that's like my one cause for pause is we're trying to we're trying to build this division up. We're trying to get new contenders to emerge, and it seems like that person that they want ends up fighting Max, and Max ends up beating him. So maybe Arnold Allen's the dude who can emerge, and it's going to be a tough spot for him because if he goes out and beats Max Holloway, is he going to fight somebody else? Is he going to wait? For Volk versus whoever. And what if Volk wins the lightweight title? I feel like he's not going to go back down because what's the friggin' point? Why would you go back down? Like, I, I get it. You want to be active and you want to keep both divisions busy and you have that mindset. But why would Josh Emmett even care about fighting Josh Emmett or Yaya Rodriguez if he wins the lightweight title when he can fight like the Connors of the world and the Chandlers of the world and guys who are big, the Poirier's of the world, guys who are big stars, and he can make a lot more money. So, yeah, it's an interesting spot for the man and for Islam. All right, Lone Wolf, do we have you? You're still muted. Uh, yes, my mic was muted. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me a chance. Sure. Yeah, this fight is really interesting to me. To be honest, I think UFC has never made such a big fight before like this. Like two two of the uh, most scariest guy in front of each other and fighting for legacies. One is champion and one is also champion. Both are champions and uh, one pound for pound on the line and lightweight belt on the uh, on the line. I think it's the biggest fight ever to happen in UFC, and it will. 
further cement the status of both the fighters who are fighting this fight. Because if Volkanovski pulls this off, then he will surely be considered one of the five, uh, five goats of UFC. And for Islam, I think it's a start to become great. He will be considered uh, the current goats of the UFC, current on the roster. But Islam is on way to become the lightweight goat. Surely he will, I think he will surpass Habib's record even. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he will, he's surely going to uh, surpass Habib. Like, he will have like five or six defense, to be honest, in lightweight division. If he if he's consistent with his, like, his ground is very strong and his, it is his strength. And he can have like five or six defense. And, and he can have it like in three years or two years. And by then he can clear it, clear the division and he can go to the welterweight. And but then uh, he can fight in welterweight and like he can be double champion. This is yeah. my point. He, yeah, he can be double champion. He, he surely can be double champion because I think I've never seen the power Islam possess in lightweight. Even he's very well-rounded. Even his, his strikes are well-accurated. And even uh, I think Habib, Habib's uh, accuracy wasn't that good like Islam's. Islam's accuracy is just different level. Uh, I've never seen before. Islam's accuracy is just on another level. His only loss is like he was knock, knocked out. And I think it's 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 kind of uh, accident, accidentally, like it was seven or eight years before. And uh, he's well on his way to become the lightweight goat of all time or well on his way to surpass Habib. And he's going to win this fight. My bet is on Habib, on Islam. He's surely beating Volkanovski. I respect Volkanovski. He's a great fighter. He's a challenger. It's going to be a tough fight for Islam, but no doubt Islam is winning it. Totally. Thank you, Lone Wolf. Let's look, you ain't lying. You ain't lying. We'll see what happens. Like, to me, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's cut and dry, but because Makachev's striking is underrated. There's no doubt about it. But if you threw those two dudes in there to have, like, a non-grappling stand-up fight, like stand-up only, I'm picking Volk to win that fight. Like, if they just have a kickboxing match, Volk, Volk's going to win that one nine out of ten times. But it's not kickboxing. This is, sorry, AK, the mixing of the martial arts. And both guys mix the martial arts very well. Volk's got, a, Volk's got his skills. He's very good everywhere. Well, Makachev is like really, really good at, and Makachev's good everywhere too, but Makachev has that sort of one skill set that is just terrifying. He gets you down. You, We'll see. I mean, Volk's been taken down before. Chad Mendez had success. Holloway took him down. Ortega got a little tricky when, when Volk makes mistakes. The, the thing is with this one, and I know this is super cliche when it comes to sports, but Volk can win. But he's got to be perfect. I mean, he really has to be perfect on Saturday. And if he is, he's got a shot. Like a re- he's got a real chance. But it is very difficult to be perfect against Islam Makachev. But that, and then I'm not saying that for Volk. That's for anybody. You got to have a perfect night against this guy. You got to have a Shevchenko versus Andrade performance. You got to have a Connor versus Eddie Alvarez performance where you just. 
You wake up, the birds are singing outside of your hotel room, but in Islam's room, it's raining and pouring and it's thunder and lightning. Everything, it, it, you just have to have that. And, and we've seen it in the sport. There are days where you just wake up and you're like, there ain't anybody in the world that's going to beat me. And then they go in the octagon and they show it. And then there's other days where fighters wake up. And I know Brendan Schaub's talked about this before. Not that we like to bring him up all that often on this program, but where he said, like, he wakes up and he's just like, oh, this is going to be a bad night. I just know it's going to be a bad night. Um, so folks got to be perfect to win. And he's been perfect in his last two fights. So we shall see. What a great fight this is going to be. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Abzawalia, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hello? Yep, I got you. I got you. What? I'm here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I hear him. Try again. Uh, Let's go to Riley. Riley, what's up? Riley, there you go. You okay? Yep. What's up, man? Okay. I uh, got two quick things for you. Uh, first, in the main event this weekend, the longer the fight goes, uh, who do you think that favors cardio-wise? Uh, and then second, uh, if Islam just runs through Volkanovski, uh, what do you think should be next for him at 155? Because, I mean, it's not like he's going to have much bigger... Like, he's not going to have defenses against higher-caliber opponents than... Uh, 13 win streak Charles Oliveira and whatever win streak Alex Volk is on. Um, so if he's just going to defend the title after against other people like, I don't know, Poirier or Chandler, some of the up-and-comers, I feel like uh, a defense like that is a lot less uh, significant than, say, beating Volk or Charles. That's all I got. Yeah. But... I want to see him fight Benny Dariush. I want to see that fight. I don't know. I mean, there's guys there. I mean, just remember his path to getting to the belt. He's good, and, it's, and none of this is his fault. But it's not like, like Volk had to fight a murderer's row to get to the title. 
He had to fight Mendez and Jose Aldo and guys like that. Uh, Makhachev really didn't have to do that. And again, not his fault because he agreed to fight a lot of these guys and the fights fell out and he was just like, well, I'll just fight whoever. And he smushed them. So there are a lot of matchups that we have not seen from Islam Makhachev. We haven't seen him fight Gaethje or Dariush or we saw the Oliveira fight. We haven't seen Poirier. We haven't seen Chandler, Connor. I mean, there's a lot of guys there. There's a lot of guys, guys who are guys who are big or, or box office draws. So, yeah. I mean, if the Darius Oliveira fight happens, if Darius beats Oliveira, it's undeniable. He needs to fight him. And I feel like stylistically, Darius and Armand Sarukian are, are his toughest tests to me. Stylistically. Now, again, fighter could wake up, have a perfect night, and beat him. But to me, those are the two guys that I feel match up the best with him at 155. All right, Abzali, do we have you? Me? Yes. Hi. Um, so um, I have two questions I would like to ask. My first question is um, how would a matchup between Dustin Poirier versus Gamrot sound. And my second thing is, um, regarding the championship fight this Saturday, if Alexander wins and he were to permanently move up to lightweight, what's the next best um, possible matchup he could face? Thanks, man. Have a good day. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you say Poirier versus uh, Gamrot? Is that what you said? Yeah, Poirier versus Gamrot. Like, so, how would that fight? Yeah, like, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um, I mean, I think they train together anyway, so I'm sure they've, I'm sure they've had many, many rounds together. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be fun as hell. Um, I don't know. I got to think about that one. Both both those guys know each other pretty well. So, but Poirier is obviously the better striker. Um, he's a little more crafty. I mean, Gamrock could wrestle his ass off, but Poirier's been in there with dudes who could freaking wrestle too. So, I mean, he fought, he's been in there with Habib. So, I would – it's it's close. It's a close one. I like I like that idea. For Volk, if he wins lightweight title, I mean, there's so many options. Golly. Just big, big fights, big money fights for him. Uh, he can kind of choose. If he beats, if he beats Islam – I mean, he becomes a star. Like, it's a star-making night because that place is going to explode and he's going to look like the king of the world. And that translates. Look, look at Stipe. Look at what Stipe did in Cleveland. I mean, Stipe is not the most personable dude in the world. He's not the most edgy guy. Doesn't have a ton of casual appeal. Great dude, firefighter, family man. All the things you want to see out of a human being. Uh, but in the fight game, it's a little bit different. But in Cleveland, man, that dude just looks like the guy. And Volk will look like that times 10 if he beats his on Makachev. So the world is kind of his oyster if he beats Makachev on Saturday. Makachev, doesn't, Makachev will not get the same rub. That's for sure. And I, if I know this space well enough, not this space, but the MMA community, 
there will be people who will be like, well, he beat a featherweight, no big deal. Still hasn't beat a top lightweight yet. I guarantee you I'm going to hear, see that and hear that. And it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But that's going to happen. And if Volk wins, it's going to be a whole different conversation. And that's not really fair. But Makachev wins. He doesn't, I don't think he becomes like a big, massive star. But if Volk does, he will, for sure. So there's a lot riding on it from that aspect as well. Uh, YVMZ, what up? Hi, uh, I had two questions for you. Um, sure. If Algermain moves up to 145, would, be, would he be a clear contender for Volk? And secondly, um, it, the winner of Gilbert and Masvidal, should they be the next title contender for the welterweight bout? Thank you. Ooh. All right. So, I mean, if Sterling's going to go up to 45, like if he goes out there and looks like him and Cejudo will fight in May now, uh, at least that's what they're targeting, depending on how everything goes uh, in Colombia for Sterling. If he beats Henry Cejudo whenever they fight and he goes up to 145, like if he has a clean win and it's not like, you know, Sterling's just had kind of just a run of bad luck where – Jan gets DQ'd, he wins the belt, people just ripped him to shreds, and then everyone said, well, just lean into it, Aljo, be the heel. He's like, okay, I'll do that. And then he did it, and everyone hated him even more. And then he goes and beats Jan, close fight, split decision. Oh, it's a robbery. And then he goes and fights TJ, who fought with one arm. Oh, you only beat him because you had one arm. If he goes out there and just cleanly beats Henry Cejudo, it's going to be tough to deny him a title shot as soon as he goes up. And that could suck for certain people in that division. But I don't think Sterling's going to move to 45 to fight Brian Ortega. I just don't see it. Um, Sterling's getting up there a little bit. He's been doing this a long time. So, yeah, I I think he'll be right in the mix would be my guess. And then Mazadal burns. All depends. It all depends on who wins the fight March 18th. If Mazadal beats Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards beats Kamar Usman, they are going to make that fight. 1,000%, that is the fight they are going to make. Uh, If Burns wins, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Bilal Muhammad is just in such a strange place right now because... I feel like if Burns wins, he's going to have to fight Bilal to get back to a title shot. Uh, I don't think Bilal's just going to straight get one unless Usman just destroys Leon Edwards. But like I said before, if if I'm Bilal Muhammad, I'm booking a, a flight to London. I'm going to get myself on the backup train and I'm going to be sitting cage side watching on that fight unfold and hoping – Really hoping that Kamaru Usman wins that fight. But other than that, yeah. Oh, now I remember what uh, Four Corner Sports said. He should fight RDA. No, he shouldn't. Why should Bilal Muhammad fight Rafael Dos Anjos? That makes no sense. That fight literally does nothing for Bilal Muhammad. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And if we are to believe his manager that the UFC wants to book him in Colby, that's fine. Like, that's a sensible fight for him. 
The fighting RDA does nothing for Bilal Muhammad. Absolutely nothing. Does everything for RDA, but nothing for Bilal. So I don't agree with you there. Um, but yeah, if, if Leon wins, Mazadal wins, he gets title shot, Burns will have a strong case, depending on how he wins. Like if Burns just dump trucks Mazadal and like knocks him out, yeah, he probably will get a title shot. But I don't know. Ask me on March 21st when we're on this space and I'm, we'll, we'll have a little more clarity. We'll take a few more, whoever's in line. Uh, we'll go Sivaran, Barbarusa, Medi, and JD Felt, and then we are, uh, we're going to get out of here. Sivaran, hello. Good, how are you? Question for you, Mike. Uh, regarding the, uh, who's going to, uh, sub, uh, are you going to support the Volkar, uh, you know, uh, Makachov? Uh, like, a, what does your heart say and mind say? After hearing uh, all this uh, talk about the Volkosis Makachov, uh, I get what kind of feeling you had. Uh, now, my question changes to uh, what do you think either loss or win for both of them could bring out the repercussions on their respective divisions? That's what my question is. And uh, is there any news about the Colby versus... Uh, any fight in welterweight division. That's it, Mike. Uh, no news at all on Colby. Um, it was brought, like, the Ali thing came up, and we saw just social media. And this is, I, I made sort of a, because we talked about it, and we talked about it on BTL, like, right when those things were, were put out. And um, I probably should have, like, read and, like, listened to the interview before I responded to it, because it kind of like the, Basically, he said, hey, this is what the UFC wanted to do, but now we can't find Colby, so now we don't know what's going to happen as opposed to these guys are could be coaching the ultimate fighter and then fighting each other. Uh, so the context of what people were saying on social media was not exactly what Ali was saying. Uh, but I don't know, because as soon as I saw that, of course, you know, doing my job, I hit up Colby and was like, is there any truth to this? And nothing back so i don't know i mean literally he's a he's a giant mystery right now he's a giant mystery as far as this main event uh i wouldn't say i'm supporting anybody um i would say right now my head and heart are both saying islam makachev wins uh but i feel like by the time i get to new york um i don't know it's trending towards volk as the days go by just because it's, it would just be such a massive moment. And I feel the more I like watch tape of Volk, the more of a chance I think he has in this fight. Uh, but my pick at least today is, is going to be as a Makachev. Um, maybe a late finish, maybe a decision. I don't know. Volk's tough to finish. So is Islam. I don't know. But I'm leaning Islam right now, for sure. Bob Russo, what's up? You too. Um, I have a question about uh, Makashev. 
Um, I'm a little bit uh, worried. I'm an Islam fan, but I heard him more than four or five times uh, saying that he is going to knock uh, uh, Alexander out. And uh, with that being said, I, I get these vibes from the Usman and uh, Leon fight because Leon wasn't finishing people and Usman was uh, falling in love with his hands and he was uh, loving the striking and then he got slipped. Um, the second thing, uh, do you know if the Benail uh, and... Uh, Oliveira fight is official because I don't think uh, it makes sense, especially if uh, if it happens uh, like what we all think that uh, Islam wins and win decisively. And I've heard them um, a couple of times saying he wants to be uh, active fighting three or four times a year because if not uh, Benail, then you don't have uh, any other option. And that means he's going to fight only one more time at the end of the year. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, they, I think – I don't know. I, I don't really believe Islam when he says I'm going to go in there and have a kickboxing match and knock out Volkanovski. I don't believe him. Do I think he's going to stand there and have some fun, trade a little bit? Sure. Um, but, he, but Volk doesn't – like, Volk's a tremendous striker, but he's also not – I don't know. He's, he's not – he's not one-hit-kill-you striker. He's not that kind of dude. He's more of a – guy who accumulates points, if you will. So, yeah, maybe Makachev feels like he can get in there and and try to earn some respect in that regard. I don't know. But I, I don't think that's the strategy he's going to take in this fight by the time we get to Saturday. Uh, is Darius Oliveira official? It's not on MAFighting.com, so it's not official. Uh, Medi and then JD and then we're done. What's up, Medi? Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. So I just wanted to know. Um, so there was a report. No, if you saw it, that Bellator two ninety had like um, under a million viewers. So is this good, bad, terrible? Uh, I remember Coker telling Ariel that he was looking at uh, three million or something. So yeah, I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. <clears throat> So I, I believe what they were hoping for was like 1.5 million. That was kind of like if we hit 1.5, we've we've won the day, we've exceeded expectations. So weekend ratings are a little different because you get like preliminary numbers. So the preliminary numbers said it was like right around 930 thousand, um, and I know some people reported those as the numbers, but you have to take into fact like how Nielsen does the ratings and things like that. And you have to catch up. So when those numbers actually came in, they did over a million. They did over a million, uh, not much over a million. Let me see what the actual number was. Um, it was over a million though. Let me see what it was. Uh, there we go. From our own David Martin. Uh, average 1.068 million viewers. Good enough for a 0.18 rating in the 18 to 49 demo ahead of college basketball, well behind the NBA, but that's not surprising. Um, 
yeah, I would say anything over a million is is a win, especially nowadays. Like it's not TV and how it's consumed and all that. It's it's much different now than it was when Strike Force is on CBS. Uh, so you can't really compare the numbers. I mean, just look at the pro wrestling numbers. Like Raw was getting like 10 million viewers certain weeks, and they ain't getting close to that now. They're getting like two, two and a half at best. So just a different world. But I think if we did like below 950, I think that would have been tough. That would have been tough. 1.5 would have been excellent. Uh, anything over a million was was good, and they did over a million. 1.068, so almost 1.1. We rounded up almost 1.1 million, so pretty good. Pretty good. All right, JD, take us home because I got to go. Busy, busy day. Maybe. JD. Yes. Excellent, excellent. So I got a couple questions for you. Uh, first, if Jack Delamandalena is able to continue his streak and look as impressive as he has, how high is he going to get catapulted up in the welterweight division for his next fight? And then you are currently living around Charleston. Is that right? Um, like 90 minutes to two hours from Charleston. Okay. So I'm a chef. And so I got in from the Southeast. So I got to ask you, uh, I'll get to jump on free for all Friday by saying, what is the one Southern food that is completely won you over? that you were not exposed to before you moved to the South. Anyway, thanks, man. So, uh, I don't know. I'm pretty boring in that, in that regard. So I don't think there's anything, I don't think there's anything here that I haven't had before. I will say, I don't know. Like I've had the barbecue here. It's for, it's friggin' awesome. Uh, most of the stuff here I've had before and it's it's fine. One thing I had like last week that was different was uh like if you're a New Englander, if you're a New Englander or even like a Northeasterner in some in some way, uh, we love our roast beef, love our roast beef sandwiches, and especially in the Boston area, the roast beef places in the Boston area are the best. Like Kelly's roast beef when I was a kid. Right on Revere Beach. It's like the OG roast beef place. The best. Just the best. And nice and a little bit rare. And you go and they cut it up fresh for you. And you put it in a sandwich. And they put all the sauce. And oh, it's the best. It's the best. And they don't have any of that stuff down here. But there was a place that we went to that had roast beef sandwiches. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. It's roast beef with a southern twist. And it just... Roast beef cooked a little differently, seasoned a little differently, uh, a little darker. Uh, the sauces on it were were awesome. Uh, so I was impressed. It was the first like non-New England roast beef that I've had uh, that I thought was pretty good. So kind of a boring answer, but a lot of the stuff that they offer here, like I've had before. So nothing really has been new. Like I've had everything from Gator to everything else in the past, so – Plus, I don't go out to eat all that much. Uh, I'm more of a let's just cook food at the house kind of a guy. Once in a while, like maybe once a week, we'll get takeout or go out to eat or something. But for the most part, we we just eat at home. Keep it simple. Uh, I like to cook stuff. So 
yeah, give me a little while and uh, maybe I'll have a different answer. But yeah, I haven't really, like my area, it's not a lot of crazy food. We're like in between Savannah and Hilton Head. So that's kind of where we're at. All right, I got to go. Thank you all very much. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Um, It's going to be a busy day. Weigh-ins, ceremonial weigh-ins. We got press conference like in the overnight tonight. And we'll have that uh, on MAFighting.com's YouTube channel. BTL, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Join us there. We'll be live. Jed Mishu versus James Lynch. A lot to discuss there. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll do this show here. We'll have a preview show, I believe, at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, But once you get the podcast version of the show tomorrow, uh, we'll have an interview um, speaking with Amanda Guerra later on today. Uh, She's in Phoenix for the Super Bowl, but she's going to give me some time uh, later on this afternoon, and we're going to talk about her journey into the world of MMA. Of course, she she does a tremendous job on the desk for Bellator. Uh, she's been doing it for a little while now, So, and I'm a broadcast nerd, so I love hearing about the broadcast game and people's journeys in the broadcasting world. So uh, very excited to talk to Amanda. So you'll hear that conversation on the tail end of the podcast version of the show uh, once it drops tomorrow. So appreciate all of you. You're the best. See you later on. Have a heck of a day and a heck of a morning. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.